Getting In is sponsored by Audible.com. Audible.com has more than 180,000 audiobooks and spoken word products. Just for being a Getting In listener, you can get a free audiobook of your choice by going to www.audible.com college. From Slate and Panoply, this is Getting In, a podcast series about the path to college. I'm Amy Young, one of the admission experts here at Getting In, and I'm also the Director of College Counseling at Avenues, an independent school in New York City. And this week, I am thrilled to be guest hosting the show while Julie Lithcott-Hames is away. She is on spring break touring colleges with her son, who is a high school junior. And a little later, we're actually going to get a dispatch from the road about how that trip is going. Joining me in the studio today is my colleague, Tim Hudson. He is Associate Director of College Counseling at Avenues and was formerly an admissions officer at Davidson College in North Carolina. Welcome to Getting In, Tim. I'm happy to be here. So it's April, and that means decision season for so many seniors. And once a student has been accepted, many colleges expect them to submit a deposit and make a commitment by May 1st. So, Tim, you've worked on both sides of college admissions, in the admission office at Davidson and now as a college counselor at Avenues. And instead of sending out acceptances and rejections, you are supporting our Avenue seniors as they are hearing back from schools and making their choices. What have the past couple of weeks been like for you and the students you're working with? Well, you know, I think it's funny. And I was actually talking to one of our students today about sort of how the tension moves from students to colleges at this point. And I think the big difference is when I was working at colleges now is the time when the colleges are sort of sweating it out until May 1st um, because they spent all this time sort of deciding who they wanted to let in. And now they need to convince those great kids that they need to come. Right. And I think uh, you'll hear admissions people talk about making a class. And this for them is sort of a really busy, hectic month as they have what they call yield events, right? So hosting days and weekends and overnights where students can come and and trying to convince them now that they've been admitted to actually take that spot. Um, And so I remember when I was at Davidson spending a lot of time and energy trying to convince the kids who we'd spent so, so long admitting to come. So I think it's been an interesting sort of change. And I, I think our stress at some level is, I think, much less as theirs sort of goes up. The table turns for the kids and for the colleges. And this is a time when the kids are actually taking a lot of trips, right? So we're sending them off again. They were making their visits in the fall, and now they're making revisits to some of these colleges and spending the night, and the colleges are pulling out the red carpet so that they can see all of the school spirit, so that they can have a chance to visit classes, speak to professors, see what that college experience will be like. And I think, at least from the kids that I've been chatting with, some of them sort of have a sense of what their top one or two or three might be. And some of them are genuinely really questioning, I have all of these choices and and what should I do? So it's going to be an exciting month. Well, today we also have updates from three of our getting in seniors, August Graves, Alessandra LaPera, and Jordana Meyer. And they've all been getting notifications these past few weeks. I've sort of been focusing less on school and more on what I think I would call it senioritis. August is a senior at Nest Plus M, a New York City public high school. I'm having like a better time just sort of figuring out what I'm interested in now and sort of like I have more time to myself instead of focusing so much on academics. So that's sort of what I've been doing. I've been reading, um, writing some, 
I've been drawing even, which is like crazy. I haven't drawn in years. Okay, schools that have notified me. Here's my list. I was rejected from Bates, rejected from Bowdoin, rejected from Colorado College, accepted to Ithaca College, rejected from Northeastern, accepted to Occidental, waitlisted to Skidmore, accepted to University of Glasgow, rejected from Tulane, accepted to the University of Vermont, and accepted to Whitman, and rejected from McGill. Um, Binghamton, I skipped over because they accepted me, but they accepted me for next year, which is kind of weird, but because I, I think what happened was I registered really late and they didn't get a chance to review my application until after they had accepted a lot of other students. So they saw my application really late in the process of like admitting students and they, they liked me and said, we'll accept, we don't have room for her, but we'll accept her next year. So I think I'm on ranked wait list or whatever at Binghamton, but I don't, I think Right now, Occidental, which is nicknamed Oxy, so I'm just going to refer to it um, as Oxy from now on. Oxy's sort of my, like, dream choice at this point, and I'm really excited that I got in because, like, I've never been to California, and it just sounds like a dream. You know, the Facebook page is, like, awesome, and everybody's, like, super excited to go, and it just looks really cool. So Oxy is probably my top choice right now. The only thing that that is holding me back is the money. They gave me some financial aid, but they didn't give me any um, merit-based aid. So I was sort of like, I don't know, I'm hesitant about that. I'm gonna go visit Willamette in like next week. Um, so that's gonna be fun. Oh, Willamette, that's not on my list, but I got into Willamette too. I'm going, yeah, I'm gonna go visit. I'm going to do an overnight there, which is going to be cool. And I'm going to go visit Oxy um, this spring break, and I'm really, that's going to be so fun. I'm going to go check it out, but I'm so excited already. Like, California just has so many, like, great things to do there, I think. And um, I kind of want to, like, pick up surfing, which I don't know is a thing in L.A., but maybe it could be. Like, I'm really glad that I got rejected from some schools, and I know that's kind of a weird thing to say because... Um, you know, rejection is supposed to be like the thing you're supposed to avoid, but being rejected is not only eye-opening, but it's also just easy. Like you get upset for like five minutes and then you're over it. Like you, you, you say like, oh, okay, this isn't an option for me anymore. And that's upsetting at first, but then you sort of move on and it's, I don't know. I'm just trying to figure out where I'm going to be happiest. And I think I'm going to be happiest in California. So that's, um, I guess what I'm trying to get at. First off, August, congratulations. We are so thrilled for you. You have some wonderful choices. And I just want to say one thing about your reflection on being rejected, because a lot of students are going through what you're going through right now, where they may not get into their top choice school, but they're they're looking at that rejection and they're okay with it. And one of the things that I like students to understand is that sometimes the admission process is wiser than they are. So while a particular school might be at the top of their list, when they finally look at their decisions and they find out that they haven't gotten into some of their top choice schools, but instead they've gotten into some other school, they're able to step back from that and say, you know what, this is actually the best outcome. And I didn't know that when I was putting my list together in the fall and even maybe when I was making some some early action or some early decision choices for myself, but that the people who make these decisions have been doing this for a really long time and often know what they're doing and sometimes they're bringing their own wisdom to the process. And it sounds like this is true for you, August, is that the choices that are in front of you actually turned out to be the best ones and were 
are so thrilled that you see that and that you're excited about that because I think that's a huge learning moment and that's something that students don't understand about this process until it's over. So thank you for sharing that lesson with our listeners. And Tim, actually, August is really excited about Occidental and that actually is a place you've been fairly recently. Can you give her any advice about Oxy or visiting in general? Oh my goodness. Well, so I I had a chance to go out and visit some schools in the Los Angeles area uh, at the beginning of December when the weather was much nicer than it was in New York at the time. But I was just so impressed by both the campus but also uh, the students had a chance to meet at Occidental. So I think uh, August, how lucky. Um, And I I think it sounds like you've really had a a wonderful search and it sounds like it's going to work out great. So congrats, congrats, congrats. As for visiting, I think it's fun, it's, and it's more fun probably to visit once you've been accepted, right? Uh, you don't really need to pay attention when they're talking about how you apply. You don't really need to pay attention when they're talking about their SAT2 requirements, et cetera, et cetera. You can really focus on, I think, what we want students to focus on the whole time, which is the fit, right? And finding a place where you're going to be happy, and not only are you going to be happy, you're going to learn, you're going to grow as a person, and you're going to be successful. And I think... The best way to do that is to, as much as possible, sort of find unscripted moments when you're on these campuses. So I think the admissions process from start to finish can feel very marketing heavy. And I think if you go on a lot of college websites, this becomes very obvious. If you go on college tours, sometimes this can be obvious. It is a scripted experience. And I think finding moments when when things are unscripted, and if that is an overnight when you're actually sleeping in a dorm, or if that is when you're eating lunch at the cafeteria, or when that is you're just seeing people actually, you know, as it were in Southern California, probably like biking around and surfing or whatever, you know, I think uh, having sort of unguarded conversations with people who are there and undoubtedly will be excited to talk to you about their school, I think is a really great opportunity. So for students who are going out and visiting, you know, sort of at this last moment to make their final decision, I would say, If you can do an overnight, I would really encourage that. If you can sit in on a class, I would really encourage that. If you can just eat the food that the students actually eat, I would encourage that. You know, and I think as much as you can, it's not about doing the official tour. It's about getting a sense of what it would be like to live in this place as a student and a person for the next four years of your life. That is fantastic. And I think that speaks to that sense of what is your experience going to be like? What is your visceral reaction? Can you imagine yourself being friends with these kids right, and being yeah. on this campus and being part of this culture? And I would say just because it sounds like you are going to get on a plane and you are going to fly across the country, and this is this is going to be a fairly huge endeavor of, of time and money and energy, do take some time before you go to potentially sit down and make make a list of the things, the questions you want answered, because once you fly all the way out there and have that experience, if you come home and you're still thinking to yourself, gosh, I actually didn't find out about this. I really should have found out about this, or I should have asked this question. Make Just do yourself, um, give, your, give yourself uh, the opportunity to do that pre-work so that by the time you go out there, you make sure that you have spent your time well, because you are going to have to come back and make a decision. There, there will not be a second revisit. The timing just doesn't allow for that. Um, so all All of that is fantastic. Uh, And let us know how your revisits go. Alessandra LaPera attends Villa Walsh Academy, a Catholic prep school in New Jersey. And let's hear her update. So since I last updated you all, I have gotten into Wagner College and I got a scholarship there. I think I mentioned Pace University already. Um, I got a scholarship there. But since then, I also sent in 
my pre-screening video for my acting drama audition and they want to see me back so I got a call back so I went to the call back in the city in person and they called me back again for a second in-person call back and I am waiting to hear the update 20 people about 20 people give or take get in so it's very competitive but I am very excited to hear the news I got into Rutgers New Brunswick I got into I think I mentioned DeSales University with a scholarship and I am still waiting to hear back from a couple places and definitely a lot more um, financial aid so I'm definitely waiting to hear back from financial aid because that's going to play a huge factor a huge, huge factor in what college I end up going to. So overall, I didn't think I would actually get this far looking back at September. I was so nervous and now it's April and I can't believe that I've come this far. And we know everyone's curious about Alessandra's health. She also sent us an update on that. As far as my health goes, I have definitely felt a significant difference um, since my trip to Germany. I feel brighter. I am able to get through the day and just do everyday things that everyone does without being completely exhausted halfway through. It's really amazing. My body aches have gone down so much and I'm able to move and it sounds cheesy, but I almost feel like I got my life back. Of course there are, it's, you don't go from A to Z that fast, you know, it's not perfect, but it is so much better, so much better than it was before. And I am very, very thankful for that. And I am very thankful that I get to start college in the fall, feeling like myself again. Alessandra, Brava! We knew you could do it. It's so great to hear that your health is improving. It's so great to hear that you have acceptances. It's so great to hear that you are excited uh, and feeling so positive about next steps in college. And we will keep our fingers crossed for your auditions and um, obviously also for your financial aid packages. Tim, how do you advise students when comparing financial aid packages? And that is a significant part of their decision process. I think the most important things sometimes are to tell them to understand the differences between what's called grant aid, which is financial aid, and and loans, right? And so grant aid can be either from the federal government, this is what a Pell Grant is, or from a you know from an institution. So institutions, colleges, and universities will actually give students grants. This is free money that you do not need to pay back. So it's not called a scholarship, and sometimes I think people get tripped up about that, but it is effectively the same exact thing. This is money that the college is giving to you and you do not need to pay back to them. So it's the kind of financial aid everybody really likes. The other part of most financial aid packages uh, will be loans and then work study. So colleges and the federal government uh, do expect students to have a job while they're on campus. And that's something that you should just sort of expect to have in a financial aid package, as well as for a lot of people, student loans. And these will be placed in your financial aid package. So understanding that that is money that you do need to repay with interest. And I think this can get pretty finely grained because there are a wide range of student loans available. And some of them are actually significant significantly more advantageous than others. It's very tempting to sort of look at the bottom line of these financial aid packages and see the number and think that that's what you're comparing. I got more financial aid at one place than another, but Tim is exactly right. You have to go through and look at that line item by line item and compare that because they could be very, very different. Yeah. And I, I do think it is, I will just say, it sometimes like the 
you do hear from students and I've heard, you know, it's like, I just want to go here no matter what. Right. Like I am. This is my a place where I it's the right fit. Right. You've been telling me to find the right fit, you know, and and yet, I mean, some of the loans that colleges are willing to have students take out, I think it is hard for a 17 or 18 year old to understand what a six figure loan burden feels like. Right. I mean, that's a small mortgage. And depending on the loans, it can be accruing interest the entire time you're in school. So I do try and, you know, just tell them, like, it, this is your decision. This is a family decision, really. But just do your best to understand what that means. And that's hard when, you know, you don't even have a credit card, nonetheless, a, a student loan. And we heard from Jordana Meyer, a student at Bethesda Chevy Chase High School in Maryland. She's had her own health challenges this week. Hey, everyone. It's Jordana. I actually spent part of this weekend in the emergency room with acute tonsillitis, which was a delight, as you can imagine. Um, I had over 103 fever, um, and my tonsils were touching in the back of my throat, and I never thought they'd get that close, but they did. They achieved it. So, um, it very much looks like I'll be attending NYU next year, which is really exciting. Um, Last Thursday when I got the notices from the four IVs and from NYU and from Tufts, I thought that was going to be kind of like a volatile, emotional roller coaster type day, but it really wasn't. I was waitlisted at Tufts. I didn't get into any of the IVs, and obviously I got into NYU. But I mean, as soon as you know, four of the options were off the table, you know, they were they were no longer relevant. You can't dwell on something that is not a possibility. So you know, they were gone, and then I was left with waitlisted at Barnard and Tufts and admitted to NYU. I wasn't a huge fan of Tufts when I visited. I kind of just applied on a whim, so I probably won't follow up with that waitlist. However, Barnard, I have already followed up. Um, I sent a letter just kind of giving them more updates on what I've been doing since December, since I applied, also kind of giving them more reasons I would love to go to Barnard. But, you know, I, as I was writing, like, what I've been up to for the past few months, it was actually tiring, to, like, to look at everything I've done. Because, you know, you don't think about how much you've done in a short span of time. But I was like, oh, yeah, and I've rehearsed and performed two entire musicals, and I'm in rehearsals for a third musical at a professional venue. And, you know, I facilitated for several hundred people, and I had three speaking gigs, and, you know, I kept my grades up, and, you know, it's great. So yeah, I was like, oh my god, did I do all of that Like since I applied? Apparently I did. Who knew? Uh, yeah, so NYU is really, really exciting, and all these admitted students weekends are kind of piling up in my calendar. I don't know which ones I can go to, but I'll figure it out. Taking virtual tours of the campus, you know, so it's really exciting, this whole, this new process that's kind of opening up in front of me as this years-long one closes behind me. Jordana, wow, your enthusiasm for NYU is infectious. We know you want to be in New York City. It sounds like a perfect match for you because you want to keep performing. You want to keep doing social justice work. And New York City is a wonderful place to do all of those things. And getting on the Facebook page, signing up for all the student weekends, that's exactly what you should be doing. This is the exciting part. This is what all of that hard work has been for. 
It also sounds like the opportunity that could be there at Barnard with the waitlist is something that you're interested in. And that's, that's actually something worth having a conversation about. Tim, what, what sort of advice do you give to waitlisted students uh, when they might want to pursue a spot on a waitlist? Sure. Yeah. Well, it sounds like Jordana is doing a lot of the things we recommend. So, you know, first and foremost, like saying that you want to actually take your spot on the waitlist, which is important. Um, and then if you are very, you know, really interested writing a letter sort of detailing what's changed since you have applied. So it sounds like Jordana has been continuing to perform quite a bit and keeping her grades up, which is good, all of those sort of uh, important things. So communicating that. And then um, also telling the school, reiterating how interested you are in attending. And I think um, especially if it's a place that you know, you know, if you take me off the wait list, um, I'll definitely go. I'll definitely enroll. You should probably tell them that, right? You know, sort of make it very clear that this is something you're you're very interested in, and a place that you're really excited about, and a place that you really would like to attend. So I think sending the you know a letter one is probably enough, but uh, sending them a letter sort of laying all of that out seems uh, you know perfectly appropriate, and certainly what we counsel our students to do. I think the timing is probably important to mention too, because colleges can let you know that you're coming off of the waitlist that you're being admitted into the summer, into June, and I think sometimes even into like the beginning of July. So I would definitely also applaud Jordana for doing something else, which I think is really important, which is getting excited about the school that she uh, is going to deposit at, right? And I think college admissions people all over the country would tell you that that's what they want you to do too. You know, I think this is a time to... Um, you know, have a wait list. You know, if you're going to stay on a wait list, sort of do what you need to do and keep that in the back of your mind. But I think you should also definitely be operating under the assumption that you're going to attend where you're depositing. Absolutely. And I think in terms of if if you are a student who is looking at multiple waitlist offers, uh, you you might want to have a really serious conversation with your college counselor or take a good look at those schools because if schools are going to reach out to you and offer you a spot off the waitlist, they want to know that you will accept it. This is not a situation where if we've got 10 spots, we're going to reach out to 100 kids and hope to get 10. We want to reach out to 10 kids who are super excited about coming to our school. So if you are navigating multiple waitlists, be very thoughtful about where you might want to say you will absolutely commit uh, to be yeah. to going if you are accepted off of that wait list. And finally, we've got our field update from Julie. She is on the road actually doing a bi-coastal college tour with her son. And she sent this only a few days ago. She caught up with us from the Philadelphia airport. Hi, guys. It's Julie reporting from the college tour front where I'm enjoying a trip to the East Coast followed by a trip to the Pacific Northwest with my 16-year-old son. Uh, Amy, I want to thank you for hosting the podcast while I'm away. And I just want to share a couple thoughts with our listeners as I go through this process sitting on the other side of the table, if you will, from where I've usually sat as a college dean. Now I'm a mom of a high school junior going through these motions and really trying to be observant of myself in this process as well as wanting to pass on a couple of tips. So here are my two tips. One is uh, don't underestimate logistics and the second is don't underestimate your kid. In terms of logistics, we knew that the weather was going to turn to the cold, if not the snowy, when we left California. But boy, there was nothing like being in the Boston area when it was snowing pretty hard to make us seriously uh, re-examine whether we had brought the right 
clothing. Um, so look out for weather, look out for time zone differences. I think both of us have been pretty tired being on California time, trying to make our way through campuses on the East Coast. I should have been a little bit more thoughtful about just planning in time, some downtime, so that we could both recover and recuperate and be fully present when visiting the East Coast. And just one more thought on don't underestimate your kid. My kid had a uh, had planned to, to attend a class this morning on one particular campus. He was going to attend the class and then have a chance to talk with the faculty member afterwards. And I was just really nervous that that go well. It was 8.30 in the morning. We were on a different time zone. And I was so worried my kid was going to fall asleep during the class that I decided I needed to come and attend the class with him and poke him in case he started to fall asleep. As it, the class unfolded, I realized how absurd that was. Like, I was more concerned about appearances. Like, he might fall asleep in class, and then I should poke him awake. As if somehow that was better than him falling asleep. I realized as I watched my son engaging in that class, sitting up attentively, paying attention, you know, he can do this. And if he's going to fall asleep, that's a perfectly human thing, too. And it really wouldn't make things look any better if I, the mother, just sat next to him poking him with a pen. So all of this is a lesson in letting go and letting our kids make their way. And even if they're going to fall or fail or falter a little bit or even fall asleep on a college tour, we have to take that chance because that's the only way they have the life experiences they need to have, and it really isn't about us anyway. Um, so that was my aha over parenting moment um, for the day. I was sitting in the, that class realizing I don't even need to be here. It's really odd to be a parent in a college-level class, um, and I sort of felt silly. And next time around, I won't do that. I'll let him have that experience, let it be what it is, and I'll, I'll grab a coffee drink in the student union while my son has an experience that really should only be his. Well, Julie, thank you so much. And thank you for your really honest and genuine reflection. Um, that's that's a really valuable story that you told about sitting in a class with your with your son. I think that is important to acknowledge that you as a family have an opportunity to grow through this process, not just the student, that you you can have your own moments of revelation, just like Julie, to think about your role as a parent and how your child is growing. And also to understand that when you're on these visits, you are playing a role in your child's experience. If you are there and you are talking to them and you are engaging with them and you are prodding them with particular questions, you are influencing their experience in ways that may not help them make the best decision and perhaps in other ways could be helping them make the best. But understand that your presence and your role is affecting their experience on that college campus. And I was actually just recently at Rhodes College, and what they do is break up parents and students on the tour. So they have one tour guide take all the parents away and another tour guide take all of the students away. And that's because they, they have seen that over so many years that a parent standing there asking questions is affecting how a student is understanding a school and maybe keeping a student from asking their own questions. And then it's also a good opportunity for parents and kids to come back after the tour and talk yeah. about their tours and say, oh, this is what we saw, this is what we thought, and compare and contrast those experiences. So that's something that I think it's just important for parents to understand, that you play a role in this visit. Um, and you need you should probably think about what kind of role you want to play and how you want to influence that experience for your student. Thanks so much for joining me today, Tim. Oh, happy to do it. It was fun to be here. Listeners, we love hearing from you. Please send us your questions and voice memos to slate.com, or you can call our hotline and leave a message. That number is 
1-800-273-8253. And that's it for this episode. Julie Lithcott-Hames will be back next week with more stories about her college tour, I'm sure. Catch up on any episodes you've missed at slate.com slash getting in. And re-listen to our first episode. It's a great introduction to our getting in seniors at the start of the school year because they've all come so far. Getting In is a production of Slate and Panoply Media. Michelle Siegel is our producer. Our executive producer is Laura Mayer. And Panoply's chief content officer is Andy Bowers. I'm Amy Young, and I hope you will join us next time on Getting In. And remember, it's not just about getting in. It's about finding the right fit. Getting In is sponsored by Audible.com. Audible has more than 180,000 audiobooks. You can download them and access them on a bunch of different devices, on iPhones, Android, Kindle, or pretty much any other MP3 player. One book to try out from Audible is Girls and Sex, Navigating the Complicated New Landscape by Peggy Ornstein. Ornstein wrote the bestseller Cinderella Ate My Daughter, and in her new book describes what girls face in the post-princess stage, high school through college. Through research and scores of interviews with teens and young women, she explores how they navigate the new and complicated terrain of sex. If you would like to listen to Girls in Sex or many other books, Audible has it. With more than 180,000 audiobooks and spoken word products, you'll find what you're looking for. Get a free audiobook and a 30-day trial by signing up at www.audible.com college. That's A-U-D-I-B-L-E dot com slash college and use the promo code college.